happening? How are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. Love that. <laughs> Lovely little change in uh, approach there. Different method for this yep. week. So what we've what we've just been discussing is we think that the reason that Reggie starts grumbling at the beginning of an episode is because we say the H-E-L-L-O word. <gasps> what if you can spell? <laughs> and he thinks that someone's here hmm. and that he can't get to them because we sit in here all morning. Basically, we're not cruel to Reggie. We put him in his crate in the morning because... We work from home all day and he doesn't get time on his own and he's not great on his own. So when we leave him to go out, he's used to being on his own when we're in the house. So then we say the H word, he's like, hang on. Someone's Who's here. here? Someone must I be here. I need to say. And why am I not allowed to I see I need them? to say the, the H word. Yeah, I need to go over and introduce myself. <laughs> I need to run round, wag me tail and jump at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we thought we'd try and mix it up this week with a different greeting mm. that wasn't that. You know, it's funny as well, like, if we hadn't mentioned that, I'm pretty sure no one cares. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So, sorry about that. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway. We were just coming on with our theme of speaking about one of our common intros. Mm, common intro. We, do you know what? I feel like we always say we're going to create an intro. We just don't do it. Well, no, we don't. I've been told we should as well. Why? Podcast. This podcast lady said, Phil, if you do, a, if you do an <laughs> intro, it'll be better for your listeners. And we've not done it yet. Uh, right. Well, Can, we might we do, do poll? that. Everyone who wants an intro, say aye. <laughs> oh, no response. Maybe we don't need to do an intro. I think we should take that as a sign. Everyone who doesn't want us to do an intro, say aye. Aye. Brilliant. That sounds like a rat's just been stood on. <laughs> so, that's one now. That wins. <laughs> that wins. Um... Should we tell them about what happened to us this week? Oh, there's many things happened. I'm assuming you mean what happened on, was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, a wonderful start to the day. For those who don't know, we, we work late on a Monday and a Tuesday. So on a Wednesday, we take the benefit of the fact that we can go somewhere local-ish, drive mm-hmm. out, have a lovely little walk to start the day, and we take sausage butties and a coffee. I mean, I always say it, I always preface or preface it, I never know which word that is, with... We work late on a Monday, Tuesday, that's why we do it. But we still do it on a Wednesday morning before most people have started work. It's not like we're doing it at 10 o'clock when everyone's at work. We still do it at like 6.37 in the morning. So we get up super early to do this. We go out somewhere, we drive somewhere, we go for a lovely walk, we take sausage, but we make a sausage boy, I make a sausage boy. Um, well, I'm still napping. Yeah, I'm well, still asleep. Uh, and we have a coffee and we just have a really nice start to the day before we come back and get started with stuff. Anyway... It puts us in a really good mood, doesn't it, on mm-hmm. a Wednesday? So we're driving home, we're feeling really positive, we've had a great start to the day. Reggie's in the back living the dream, he's buzzing, we're all happy. I'm telling this really great story and I've already told him the punchline. No, I know, but I'm, I'm going to go further on. All right, come on. And then all of a sudden, the car breaks down, but we're like, it's fine, this has happened before, we'll just chuck some oil in. That's what's happened in the past. So I run round to the local BP, grab a, uh, a bottle of oil, run back round... Uh, chuck the oil in and we're like cool we'll just get back home no issues and the car wouldn't start properly again and we was like ah this is a big problem than we realised yeah and so much so that it's resulted in us having to get a new car the irony though is we were going to look at a new car later that morning yeah timing what timing (laughs) but anyway that's our uh, car challenge of the week car Uh, challenge of the week yeah we might have another one next week we might have another one next week should we tell them about it well, we were hoping we were going to get it today, weren't we? But it doesn't know. look hopeful. Fingers crossed, Jen. 
if the podcast crossed. stops recording, it's because I've got a phone call telling uh, me that we can pick up the car today. That's very true. <laughs> anyway, uh, less about cars and breaking down and more yeah. on by ways in which you can lose weight without counting a single calorie. Like, literally, you can, if you want to, you can do it now if you want, pause the episode, delete NutriCheck, delete my fitness pal, delete any app that counts calories for you, because by the end of this episode, you ain't gonna need it at all, ever again. Yeah, and I feel like we've seen a big shift recently, or over the last year or so, from like slimming clubs to more people going for the calorie counting side of things. Um, and I feel like there's probably a lot of confusion, maybe not not even just around like kind of what like what's my calorie goal, but like how to properly use it, how to actually get results from it being stuck on like really low calorie numbers that people can't stick to um a lot of just kind of confusion around it i think it we're not completely against calorie counting we did use it with our clients for a really long time but what we have noticed is that it probably doesn't oh well it doesn't have that kind of longevity of um well, you can't keep it going for the rest of your life, basically. And the people that we want to, we work with, we want to give them tools that are going to last for the rest of their life. And we might use it as part of the journey because it is real. We do know that calories play a large part. And if you're wanting to lose weight, like we know that we need to be in a calorie deficit, so eating and drinking less than we are moving. But we don't need to track calories to be in a track calorie deficit and i think that's the big thing and i think today we want to share with you some ways that you can reduce the amount of calories that you are eating without tracking calories do you want to kind of give a bit of a background of like where calorie counting comes from yeah and i think this is actually just as important as everything else we're going to talk about calorie counting got taken from the bodybuilding industry it isn't something that somebody thought up as this great way that people like you, me and Jen can uh, restrict or control our food intake. It was literally used within the bodybuilding industry because, and if you don't know a bodybuilder, you might not know this, but the best way I've ever heard how a bodybuilder acts around food is if they were told that they needed to eat cardboard and dust in order to achieve the goals, they would do it. Because for them, it's a sport and it's a lifestyle. It's not, they're not just trying to lose weight to build confidence, to improve the health, to be able to run up the stairs instead of feel like they're struggling to get up the stairs, to be able to chase the kids around the park, to be able to live a long life. That's not why they're trying to lose weight. They're doing it to get as much physical body fat off their body as possible to a very unhealthy place. And any bodybuilder that you speak to who is nice enough, which is probably most of them, um, will tell you that it's unhealthy. It isn't healthy. Get into the levels of body fat that they get to. 99.99% of women bodybuilders lose their period because of it. Their body isn't functioning in a way that is healthy and they use an unhealthy method of counting calories to achieve that level of body fat so that they can win a competition. You are not in a competition. You are not a bodybuilder. In fact, I'm sure Jen doesn't mind me saying this, that if you are a bodybuilder and you're entering competitions, you're listening to the wrong podcast. You are in the <laughs> wrong <we> place. <laughs> this ain't going to help because none of the things we're going to talk about right now are going to allow you to get to 4% body fat to the point where you are so low on body fat that it's unhealthy and it's going to be in a position where you could potentially, you know, lose your period, lose sleep, lose her. Uh, like, this isn't what we're going to help you achieve today. However, we can help you to lose body fat. And the thing with with counting calories and the, 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 the bodybuilding industry itself is it's very restrict. It's very, sorry, it's very strict and very restrictive. 
and it's very time consuming. And the people that we work with have very busy lives. They might be mums, they might have an incredibly busy job, they might be both. And calorie counting doesn't work for you because you're not a bodybuilder. You don't have that time. You don't have that energy. You don't have the ability to, to count calories every single day, every single meal, weigh everything out. Bodybuilding also has the assumption that every day is going to be the same mm -hmm. because it is for them. Monday to Sunday doesn't change. Wake up, train, count every calorie, go to bed, repeat every day for 10, 15, 20 years. Your life isn't like that. I guarantee your life was different seven days ago, never mind seven years ago. For a bodybuilder, that ain't the case. Seven years ago was the same as it is today and it'll be the same in seven years time because that's how they set up their life. Nothing's different. So they don't have the real life challenges that you and I potentially have or that we and you probably have. Like for example, you know, like you've got a really busy job or you've got uh, kids or like there's loads of things going on that are gonna have a, a, an impact on your journey. Counting calories doesn't align with that, which is why, as Jen said before, we're not against it, but there's a time and a place for it. And it's probably about 5% of your journey. I don't know, I'm making that number up, but maybe about 5% of your journey, usually towards the beginning, just to gain an understanding of calories. Mm -hmm. But just to be really clear here, if you've already counted calories in the past, you probably never need to do it again. You're probably not gonna come and work with us and we're gonna go, right, let's count calories again, because you've already done it once. You know how calories work. If you don't, we might use it for a really short period of time, a few weeks, just to gain an understanding of it. And then we'll stop again and we'll go on to one of the methods that we're going to chat about today. Yeah, and I think the, the really important thing is, like, if you are tracking calories, like, do it proper. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. you really want to understand, like, the... Like, we want to be weighing foods out. We want to be making sure that we're tracking things like oils and butters accurately. Um, we do want to be looking at, like, rice and pasta and making sure we're tracking those things accurately we want to be actually learning things along the way rather than just tracking and guessing like guesstimating what you've eaten when you went out i mean it's a little bit easy now because of calories on things but like guesstimating like oh i'll just put this in because that's probably similar to what ever that's often why people get frustrated with calorie counting because like oh i'm tracking calories and i'm not seeing any results if you're guessing that's probably a large part of it do you know what i'm glad you've just said that because that's just emphasized a point that i should have made a couple of minutes ago to prove so much that this comes from the bodybuilding industry and not the uh, not trying to achieve the goals that you actually want to achieve is the fact that bodybuilders don't eat out for like nine, 10 months. Mm. They eat out after the competition. They don't eat out because counting calories when you're eating out is near impossible. And I know there's loads of people on social media that are like, here's how you count calories when you're eating out. I watch the videos, I read the posts and I'm like, yeah, that ain't gonna work. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, oh, just guesstimate. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you don't know how much pasta's there. You don't know how much sauce is on it. You don't know the weight of anything. So yeah, you could guesstimate 500 calories. And I'm not saying this next bit to exaggerate. It could have been 2,000. Mm -hmm. What's the point tracking if it could be somewhere between 500 and 2,000? And to put this in perspective, I want you to think about tracking calories in the same way you think about your wage when you go to work. I want you to imagine you go and work Monday morning and your boss says, look, we've thought of a new way of doing wages. Uh, we're going to do it similar to counting calories. So uh, at the end of the month, we're going to give you somewhere between 2,000 and 8,000. We're not really sure. Uh, sorry, not 2,000, 200 and 8,000. We're not really sure. It could be 200, uh, it could be 8,000. We're not really sure. Are you all right with that? You'd be like, well, that sounds good on the month where it's high, but on those months where I'm only getting 200 quid, that's going to be a bit of a mm -hmm. challenge. And they're like, no, no, it's just the way we're going to do it. It's going to work better. You would say no, because it isn't accurate enough. You want an accurate income. You want to know how much is coming in so you can then budget. And although counting calories sounds like that's going to do that for you, unless you plan to spend the next few years not going out, weighing every single thing that you eat, every single thing, not just some, every single thing, then it ain't going to work. Which is why 
We're not against it, but we are against doing it for a long period of time. And like we said, it's usually weeks, a couple of months. Mm. It's certainly not a long-term strategy. It really, really, really isn't. And actually, interestingly enough, we don't really use it as a weight loss tool, do we? We use it more no, as an awareness tool. awareness tool to like understand calories within foods and portion sizes for yourself and like gain a, an understanding of where the calories in your diet are coming from. It's more of a, we don't set a calorie goal typically when we do this. We just kind of like log understand where it's coming from and then look at where we can make some tweaks to reduce your calories if, if we are using it and that's how we've always used calorie counting when we've done it i was just gonna say just to touch on that i think that's a good point because when it comes to tracking calories what you've got to remember is the method that you use to lose weight is kind of going to be the way in which you maintain it as well so think about this right mm. if you track calories to lose weight and then you stop tracking calories the reason that you gain weight isn't because you've lost control or because you're not tracking calories. It's because the way in which you have control is by tracking it in an app. So if you stop tracking it in an app, you now don't really have any methods, processes, or strategies for maintaining, which is why we're so big on the things that we're going to speak about today. And just to be super clear, there's so many more ways, but mm. if we did the 50 ways to lose weight mm -hmm. without counting a single calorie, we'd be here for about six hours and we know you've got a busy lifestyle. Um, so it's it's more about now thinking, well, can I do this long-term? And who wants to track calories long-term other than bodybuilders, yeah. professional sports people? I know I certainly don't. I know you don't. I know most people don't either. No. So, so should we crack on? Because I yeah. feel like we've waffled on for we ages. We have done a big intro. I feel like it's going to be a big one, this one. Probably. Um, so, number one, keep a food log. This isn't actually dissimilar to tracking calories mm. um, in the sense that what we've just kind of talked about is tracking calories works for two reasons because it raises your awareness around calories and it raises awareness around your food decisions so you stop and think a bit more about what you're eating and why you're eating it now if we take away the awareness of calories one then a food log can still help us to raise awareness around our decisions because the act of simply writing down what we're eating makes us stop and think more about that decision which is ultimately one of the bigger re or like it's 50 percent of the reason that calorie i'd say maybe even more than 50 percent of the reason that calorie counting works so we can still take that element but make it less way less complicated so you can do this in whatever like we've got clients who do it in all kinds of ways we've got like a food log on the app that we use and um, we've got some clients who do it written in a journal some who just do it in notes on the phone like it doesn't matter how you create a log of what you're eating you might even just take pictures of what mm. you're eating but it's just the act of acknowledging the foods that you're eating as you go throughout the day now the great thing about doing a food log versus calorie count is it's way less time consuming because you're not having to weigh things out you're not having to scan barcodes blah 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 it's a bit more realistic well it's a lot more realistic and it's easier to do which means it's easy to keep up with in the long term and um if we miss something or that barcode's gone in the bin or someone else has cooked for us we can still write it down and acknowledge it there's so many great positives to having that food log there and then that kind of ties into number two as well because we we pair up number one and two don't we we do and i think this is probably one of my favorite ways to do things because i think well we both noticed this is one of the the best it does something that nothing else does basically so like you look at any other diet counting calories wherever it might be it doesn't do what keeping a daily journal does and it helps you to understand you and let's be honest it's you that wants this result, right? It's you that wants to make the changes. So it's pointless someone coming to you and saying, oh, 
try this thing, go and do this thing, follow this plan. Because it's like, well, that's cool that that plan's been made, but what about me and my life and my challenges and my struggles and my emotions and my feelings and my job and my family and my friends? Like, if that plan's already been made before you've even mentioned anything, how can it include all of that stuff? Which is why I think one of the most powerful things you can do is keep a daily journal. Because, mm. yes, it's going to raise awareness around food. You're going to gain an understanding of the foods that you're eating, potentially even how much you're eating. Um, but it's going to do so much more than that. It's going to allow you to understand why am I doing what I'm doing? Not from a place of punishment, hatred, uh, berating or anything like that, but more so from a place of understanding. So for example, you know, you ate two chocolate bars at three o'clock. It's not, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I'm not good enough. I'm just going to try harder next week which is what often counting calories is. It's like, oh my God, I just went over my calorie target. I'm clearly just lazy and not trying hard enough. What it is instead is, okay, I ate two chocolate bars at three o'clock. Why did that happen? Well, I was absolutely starving. Well, why was I absolutely starving? Well, because for dinner, I had a 135 calorie half a ham sandwich from Tesco as a meal deal. Then I didn't eat anything else. Okay, so maybe next week what I'll do is I'll have something more for my dinner so that when it gets to three o'clock, I don't need more food, right? I'm going to try that and see what happens. And then next week you try it and you go, yeah, I, I weren't even hungry at three. I didn't need that big boost of sugar and energy because I'd eaten more for my dinner. You don't need to track calories to learn this. And it can work in other ways as well. And one of our favorite ways we see it is stuff like that, but things like emotions, mm -hmm. like you notice that you ate that chocolate bar because you was really stressed. You wasn't even hungry. You didn't want or need food and you weren't even thinking about food, but then you received an email that really got under your skin and all of a sudden you was halfway through a dairy milk. And it's like, hang on a minute, I didn't even want a dairy milk. But because I got stressed, I then ate. Okay, well, now that I know that, is there anything I can do different next time? Well, when I feel really stressed, I reckon if I went outside and got some fresh air, that would reduce that stress. So the next time you go outside, you get some fresh air, you come back in, you're like, I don't even want the chocolate. Mm -hmm. The chocolate's still there, and I could eat it if I wanted it, but I don't because I'm not stressed anymore. And this is why I think it's so much more powerful than counting calories going on a diet or anything like that because you learn about you your decisions why you're making those decisions and i think it helps you to come from a place of compassion that idea of like i'm not broken i don't need fixing mm. there are just challenges that i've got right now and i don't quite have the strategy but if i just sit with those things for a little bit i'll be able to work out what it is i now need to do in order to help myself to achieve the goals i want to achieve and i think as well this is why it's key to pair like the food log with all well not just number two but like two to five because at some point in your life you're not gonna well you in order for the food log to be a long-term strategy we don't want to do it for the rest of our lives which sounds a bit backwards but yeah we want to do two to five alongside keeping a food log so that we can gain that understanding and build up the habits around the food log so that eventually when we step away from the food log we've got all the knowledge and the, the strategies in place that we need to keep doing the stuff that was working when the food log's not there as well. And I think the, the daily journal is such a big part of that because it's that understanding that you gain about your own habits around food that's like the key to creating that long-term sustainable change. Moving on though to number three, make a weekly food plan. Now, we've delved into food we're not going to go like massively into food plans because we've done like a full podcast on food plans and how we do food plans and it's not a case of plan what you should eat or feel like you should eat please go and listen to that if you are starting planning um your week um if you can't find it just give us a shout and we'll point you in the right direction i'll put it in the i'll find it and put it in the podcast notes there so if go. you want a full episode on it 
uh, go and check out the podcast notes and it will tell you what episode num- episode? episode episode number is. I don't know if I can make it a link. If I can, I will. If I can't, well, I won't. So <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, but if you... Uh, yeah, if you scroll down, whatever app you're on, check out the episode notes. It'll tell you, it'll show you which episode it is to go and listen to. Yeah, there we go. Um, but the great thing about a food plan is it gives you a ton of headspace back for to use on other areas of your life because mm-hmm. it lets you work more on your day-to-day life on autopilot because essentially you're taking the decision making out of the moment because you've already pre-done it and also when you're doing it from a calm place where you're not hungry in like the past, you're not having those like decisions where you you're panicking and you're making a place a decision from a place of like real hunger where that's when we can potentially make decisions we don't want to make so not only are you working more on autopilot you're eating more of what you want to be eating and also it reduces the cost of your shopping bill which at the moment is quite nice because you're only buying what you are eating rather than buying a ton of food and trying to make meals from it and then wasting things you you know you've got the ingredients for what you're eating and but a lot of people kind of are like, oh, I don't plan. I'm not so, I'm not a planner. I like to be spontaneous. And there are ways around that. But ultimately, you are going to make a food decision. Like, you may as well make it in advance and eat something that is going to make you feel better and fill you up and give you everything you need rather than just falling through life and, and, and food falling into your mouth because you've not got a plan. You've got a question that sometimes as well, don't you? Because it is a frequent thing that we often hear is, I'm a spontaneous person. Well, let's create some spontaneity in other areas of your life. Because mm-hmm. if the only area you've got it right now is food and it's not serving you and it's not helping you achieve the goals that you want to achieve, then actually that's probably the place we need structure. And let's create spontaneity with other things. Let's find some other ways, like Jen says, to be mm-hmm. spontaneous because there are probably a million and one other ways. And doing it with food isn't helping you right now so sometimes it is and this is really blunt we're putting that wall up we're like oh no i'm spontaneous i can't make a plan all right cool let's make a plan let's find spontaneity somewhere mm-hmm. else um so number four and this is a strategy that um we came up i say we it was mainly jen um mm-hmm. the vsf strategy and honestly this in itself just this strategy alone although can be paired with and actually used with all of the other things we're going to speak about in this episode is probably the one that is going to have the biggest short, medium and long-term impact because it can have an immediate impact right now. It can have a medium a medium impact over the next few weeks. And also it's something that you can literally carry on doing forever without really needing to overthink it. Um, I don't know. Do you want to run through it? Could you literally come up with it? Yeah, I can do. So essentially this is how we want to build a meal. Um, and the VSF stands for volume, satisfaction and fullness. So... You might, if you've been in kind of slimming clubs in the past before, you might have used like a similar strategy, but it's been just like branded under some kind of different name. Mm-hmm. But I think the key thing that it misses out in other areas or other diets is the satisfaction element. Um, so, for example, volume, you'll know what that is. We're looking at how we can fill our plate with veggies and salads. Like it gives us the nutrients that our body needs in order to thrive, it gives us energy, it makes us feel good, it boosts our mood. It keeps us fuller for longer because it's a smaller amount of calories so we can eat a larger portion of them without racking the calories up in our meal. We can't avoid that. Um, but it is how it, it's one element of, of keeping ourselves fuller from a meal. Um, 
I am also a self-confessed fussy eater, didn't used to eat any vegetables. So if you're coming at me saying that you don't like any vegetables, fruits or salad, I don't like any salad, I don't like any fruit, and I've found ways to love vegetables, and it was all in the prep for me. So if you're struggling with volume, you can do it, you can make the changes, you've just got to kind of find what works for you. Uh, fullness is the other side of things. Again, this is why there's um, people banging on about left, right, and center protein. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of the big, obviously, benefits to protein is that it does help us to stay fuller for longer. Um, so a lot of us don't naturally get that into our diet, into every meal of our day um, without really thinking about it. Even now, if we were to stop thinking about that, I don't think I'd naturally kind of plan that into my meal. Mm -hmm. um, it is one that just takes a bit of conscious effort, especially if you're any kind of veggie or vegan. Um, it takes even more conscious effort on that one. Um, but having some protein in your meal really helps to keep you full for longer. Um, and again, helps you to keep your portion sizes smaller because there's less on your plate because you've got something on there that's filling you up. Um, and then the satisfaction bit is the one that I said that people miss. Like, what is on your plate that is just there for enjoyment? Like, what is there that is making you love that meal? Because if you're eating a bland meal that is giving you no enjoyment, you're going to be seeking it elsewhere from, like, chocolates or crisps or alcohol, whatever it may be. If, if you're not satisfied by the meals you're eating, you're going to go and try and find that elsewhere. So we want to create real satisfaction with what we're eating. And this can come in all different kinds of forms. It can be sauces, it can be flavour, it can be herbs, spices, spreads, oils, whatever it looks like for you. It might even be, like, one of my favourites is um, I have porridge in the morning. I would absolutely hate my porridge if I didn't have a spoonful of Biscoff spread in it. Like, that is the perfect one for me. Like, the rest of my meal is nutritious, it's filling, it's full, it, it's got volume in it. But that one thing is there purely for my satisfaction and no benefit to my body. <laughs> but it keeps me wanting it, it keeps me enjoying it. I still look forward to it in the morning. Like, I've got IBS, so I find it really difficult to get variety in my breakfast. And typically when I find something I like, I stick at it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that one thing makes me really really enjoy it and not go looking elsewhere for other things so it's really kind of key that we nail the satisfaction element i actually had a conversation with someone this week who was struggling to move away from eating just brown bread and mm -hmm. um, and actually was like i feel like i shouldn't eat white bread and we were like well actually the white bread can be the satisfaction element of your meal doesn't mean we we need to eat white bread all the time but sometimes like you, if you're getting your volume and your fullness and your nutrients from other areas of your meal like that white bread can just be there just because it tastes really nice and you enjoy it like it's just kind of being savvy about how we're building our meals and then typically as well when we're using this strategy we've not got our blood sugar levels spiking and um, dropping all over the shop which leads us craving less sugar as well so if you're someone who really struggles with sugar cravings probably the vsf strategy is a nice place to start because it'll help you balance out the your blood sugars across the day which is gonna leave you looking for less sugar elsewhere 100 and you may or may not have realized this but that's one of the things that you'll probably be looking at in your daily journal if you do start keeping one mm. looking back like for example what i said before about that idea of like oh i ate two chocolate bars at three o'clock and you're looking back at what you had at dinner time it's like well I had ham sandwich, that's why I'm hungry. It might also be, I ate loads, absolutely tons, 
but I didn't enjoy it. And that's why I needed the two chocolate bars because I was looking for satisfaction from somewhere. Mm -hmm. I was having a really difficult day at work. I was really tired. I was really stressed. There were things happening that were out of my control. I had loads of food for my dinner, but I just wasn't satisfied by it. If right now you're not getting any satisfaction from loads of different areas of your life, and I know this sounds like it's going really deep, you might try and get it from chocolate because chocolate's really satisfying. Mm -hmm. And you might keep beating yourself up saying you're not trying hard enough. And it's nothing to do with effort. Absolutely nothing to do with effort and probably everything to do with the VSF strategy. So final one. And again, just to reiterate, you can literally start doing all these today. You can do them all in one go. Um, number five, set up your environment to be more mindful. This is probably the one that helps me the most out of all of them. I think this is the one that I now do as a habit, but probably didn't realize I was doing until I reflected back and was mm. like oh yeah and actually interestingly enough the other week uh i think it might have been this week actually we ate a meal and i remember saying to you that's the fastest i've eaten a meal in like years like i didn't notice that i'd slowed down my eating mm. because it's become a habit but setting up your environment to be more mindful first thing is get yourself away from distraction if you're sat on your phone um scrolling through social media responding to whatsapps and watching tv at the same time you are not going to be able to mindfully eat that meal and the word mindful eating, I think, has become a bit of a buzzword these mm. days, hasn't it? I need to be more mindful. Well, yes, potentially, probably, it's going to be really helpful. But if you sat in front of the TV, you can't be more mindful. It's very, 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 very challenging. We see it more so with snacks, don't mm -hmm. we? It's like, oh, I just need to grab some food. So you like grab a snack, you eat it, and you, f you didn't even notice yourself eating it. It's not mm -hmm. served its purpose. The purpose of a snack is to get volume, satisfaction, and fullness, like any other meal. So if there's a decent amount of volume in it, uh, it's a satisfying um, item of snack, whatever it is, and it can help you feel full, but you don't pay attention to the fact that you're eating it. If you just pick it up, walk off, eat it, and then you're sat at the desk and you're working, you're like, I'm still hungry. Mm. It's because you didn't allow yourself to even notice yourself eating this item of food. Remember, we start eating when we see the food. So if you're not even looking at it, if you're not paying attention to it, your body isn't going to salivate. It's not going to understand that there's anything going on. It might not even digest it the same because that's the first stage of uh, eating food is when we see it. So if you don't even pay any attention to it, your body isn't going to respond in the same way. And therefore, your body doesn't even recognize, although it knows internally, you're not recognizing it from like a brain side of things that you've even eaten the food. So I see, oh, sorry. No, go on. I was going to say, I see this one a lot with clients when they say that the snacking on things is the cooking. Yeah, just grabbing food out the mm. cupboard from the side. Chomping on a block of cheese. Yeah. Up, like. yeah, it's just not actually serving a purpose, which is why it's not helping you. So the first thing is to be away from distractions. And um, we're very lucky, obviously, that we've got somewhere to have a dining room table. But if you don't, if you've got a house that doesn't have a dining room or a dining room table, you can still sit in the living room if that's where you eat your meal with the TV off and with your phone face down. And again, oh, but I like watching TV. It isn't serving you you are not gaining the result that you want to get from watching TV whilst eating your meal. Try it once. Just do it without the TV on. Pay attention. It'll be really weird. It'll be really strange. You'll pay more attention to the food. You'll actually enjoy the food more because you're paying attention to it and you'll eat less of it. Or alternatively, you might realize you don't even like it. Yeah, you'll get I've had so many clients yeah. say this. <laughs> like, I, don't even, I don't even enjoy that meal. I thought I did. No, you enjoyed what you was watching on Netflix. So yeah. you felt like you was enjoying the meal. Um, second thing, and this is the one I touched on before, slow down your eating. And again, this one gets spoken about a lot, but it can be really powerful. Just spending some time actually chewing your food can A, 
help with digestion because there's less for your stomach to do. Remember, your stomach doesn't have teeth, your mouth does. So if you can chew it, that means that your stomach doesn't have to do as much work, which is going to help you digest it better, which is going to reduce stress, reduce any kind of bloating and just help you in general to digest the food. But what it's also going to allow you to do is give your brain a chance to work out, am I full yet? Like your brain's going to go, hang on a minute, you're still chewing food. I'm feeling full. Whereas if you just keep shoveling it down, and like I said, we've all done it. I did it the other day and recognized at the time. I was like, flipping heck, I ate that so fast. My brain didn't have a chance to catch up. It was like the food had all gone in my stomach and then it went, yeah, you're full now. Oh, wait, there's still some coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, he's not even at the table anymore. He's got, He's gone somewhere else. Oh, hang on a minute. He's, there's food still coming. And it's like, it's not had chance to actually recognize that you are full. So slowing it down can really, really help. Um, the third thing, which I probably should have put as the second thing, um, pause before you start eating. I'll have a second before you eat that meal. How hungry are you right now? Look down at that plate. Have you absolutely, as we all do, you know, like when you're at a buffet or something like that, you piled your plate full and then you go, I actually don't need all that. I've put so much food on there. I'm not that hungry. Like, have a second to just check in. How are you feeling? Are you really, really stressed right now? Are you really, really tired? Are you eating this meal because it's potentially a comfort eating situation? Are you eating it because you're not eating all day? Do you actually need to give yourself an opportunity to just take a second before you start eating? Remember, you know, food is a great thing. It's a big part of our life. It's a big part of culture and social life and personal life and professional life. Food's huge. We love it. Sometimes we just need to pause before we have it so that we can recognize that there's more going on here than just calories. There's more going on here than just proteins, fats, carbs, fiber, and all those good things. And then the final thing, and I love this, and this is something that um, I remember a client telling us, I think it was my having Sophie. Um, not Sarah. Sarah, not Sophie, sorry, Sarah, yeah. Um, who created an unavoidable break in her pizza uh, or pasta, both actually. And I loved it, I thought it was class. Such a clever idea. See, the thing is, when we eat a meal, we just see it as a meal. And what um, Sarah did was, she cut it in half so that at some point she had to pause. What that then means is that you get a second to go, do I need any more of this food? And I remember she actually took the pizza home with her. Mm. She got halfway through it. She cut the pizza in half. She ate half the pizza. She was eating out. She was at a social event. She ate half the pizza. And because she then had to start cutting the second half up, it gave her a second to go, do I want the second half? Now, the answer was, yeah, I do want it. Do I need it? Am I hungry enough? Well, no, because I'm satisfied. I don't actually need that second half of the pizza. She said she was in absolute shock. She couldn't believe it because in the past she would have eaten the pizza and then gone, didn't need all that. She was now able to do it halfway through because she cut it in half. And you can do this with anything. You can do this with a plate of food. You could cut the, you can almost cut the plate in half. And it, not the plate, obviously, <laughs> but the food in half. So like across. So there's a bit of a break in between. And when you start eating that second half, you go, hang on a minute. I said, I'm going to pause here. And because it's an unavoidable break, it means that you then have to check in with yourself mm-hmm. and work out, do I want any more? And again, that's something you can do forever. Something you can do for literally the rest of your life, which is absolutely incredible. And there's been so many clients who've told me that they can't stop partway through the meal who've been able to using those strategies as well. Mm-hmm. So if you feel if it feels impossible, you can get there with this one. 100%. So quick recap, keep a food log, keep a daily journal, make a weekly food plan, build each meal using the VSF strategy, and set up your environment to be more mindful. If you've got any questions about any of those or you're not sure about anything, just pop me a message on Instagram um, and we can always chat it through how you can make it work for you. Um, But they are incredibly powerful and I would say probably the top five that we use. 100%. So, Jen, do you want to put me on the spot? Yeah. I was wondering what he's getting out of your pocket then. I was like, oh, what's this? Oh, you've actually wrote it down. Written, written, it, written it down on paper. Yeah, well, because my phone's been used for recording, so oh yeah, I couldn't. That's interesting, that. Well, I, you know what my memory's like at the minute. It just feels so old school. 
Well, I didn't have any other options. I, I went to get my work phone. My work phone was dead, so I couldn't write it on there. On there. Isn't it funny that I went for my other phone before I went for a piece of paper? Hmm. That's technology, isn't it? Okay. <clears throat> I think this is a good one. Don't know why I cleared you my phone. You just did a little that. cough from, like, <laughs> like, I know there's a lot of people listening to this podcast, Jen, but it's not a million yet. <laughs> it's because it's on paper. I feel like I'm like... And it should be a million. Send it to your pals. <laughs> right. I would like you to combine... Oh, okay. Pasta, cheese, and milk. <laughs> Make my dinner. <laughs> Your favourite artist, like musical artist oh, from childhood. Not painter then. No. Okay. Your favourite artist from childhood with your favourite artist from now. Yeah. What would they be called and what two, like which of their songs would you mix together? Oh, flipping it. This is a question and a half, isn't it? Where'd you get this question from? My head. Did you? Yeah. I'd love to spend five minutes in your head. <laughs> no longer though. Like that's maximum. <laughs> So, my favourite artist as a child, so Britney Spears. Oh my goodness, I was going to guess Britney Spears. <laughs> my favorite, I genuinely was. Favourite artist right now. Who's my favourite artist right now, do you think? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Who would you typically, like, think about, like, maybe, like, your go-to? Like, if I was to say, go and put someone on there, who would it be? <laughs> For some reason, I'd say The Snuts, but it's probably not my favourite band, <laughs> but it just, just probably would. I just feel like we listen to a lot of The Snuts at the minute. Yeah. Oh, Jerry Cinnamon. Jerry Cinnamon's... Do you know what? I think it's just because he's not brought any music recently, but I'd probably say my favourite artist probably is Jerry Cinnamon. Um, so you've got to combine Britney, Britney Spears and Jerry Cinnamon. So what? So Britney Cinnamon. Britney Cinnamon. It's better than Jerry Spears. <laughs> Actually, I quite like Jerry Spears. <laughs> Jerry Spears. Jerry Spears sounds right. like one of the Spice Girls. I don't know why. I'm going Jerry Spears. Jerry well, Spears. Yeah. And then pick two, like a song from each artist that you would combine. Oh. Uh, and like create a name for it. That's great. Uh, I love that. Um, I just think Jerry Cinnamon would do a great rendition of Hit Me Baby One More Time. No, you can't. Just in general. Can you you not just cover one of the songs? (laughs) I think that would be class. I'd watch that live. Do you know what's really good as well? So our, I feel like I should say it quieter, our neighbour, they've got a son and he's he's, he's a good little singer, isn't he? He plays guitar. Yeah. Um, and he plays Jerry Cinnamon all the time and it's brilliant. Every day. He's got Fantastic. the exact same music taste as us and he's got a cracking mm. little voice and he plays his guitar and plays music that we love and it's brilliant. Such an eclectic mix as well because yeah. some days he'll have like dance on like Clubland Classics which we also love. Other days he'll have like Jerry Cinnamon on and it just general indie singing music. a proper old school indie we'll live and die live and yeah. die in these towns isn't that like what I never googled who it was I think it's hi-fi isn't it? Very old song like I love it. What 15 years? No. It got a bit. Yeah about yeah. 15 years old yeah. And he's like, I think he's only 15. Yes, great. Maybe that song came out on the day he was born and that's why he loves it so much. Maybe. Probably not, though. Right, come on. What is Jerry Spears singing? <laughs> Jerry Spears. <laughs> he's singing. Um... Scottish Britney. <laughs> Hang on, what was we going to have as our first dance? Um... Oh, I can't remember the name. How can I not remember the name of that? Uh, I might have to do a little Google. Hang on. I feel like I need to do a little why Google. Um, oh my goodness, why can't I remember? Do I play it though? Because it'll do something to our podcast. I know, copyright and everything. Um, oh, it wasn't Canto, was it? Yeah, it was. It's Canto. Yeah, so I think I just generally loved that song. There was a reason why we couldn't have it. It says the W word in it. A lot. A lot. <laughs> well, it's not even a lot. It's just that it's very loud. Yeah. And I had the idea, and if any of my mates are listening, this is what Jen thinks of you, I was like, let's just have it, but like, mute that bit. And Jen was like, no, because all your mates will just shout it. <laughs> and when they find out that it's muted, they'll shout it even louder the second time. She's that is right. 100% a fact. She's correct. Like, yeah. I also think Wouldn't this about you Wouldn't have been a point. We would have just been 
It would have just said played the yeah. normal version. Be it would awkward. have been better. Yeah, so I'm going to go Canter. Uh, I quite like the idea of Stronger Canter because it feels stronger like... Stronger Canter. Yeah. That is a tune, to be fair. Um, What's the one where she's in the bath in the video? Because I used to really like that one. She, lucky. Was that Lucky? She's so lucky. Yeah. I like that one. Oh, Lucky Canter. Lucky Canter. Yeah, I like that. Well, that's my favourite song, not yours. No, I know. We're talking about Britney Spears songs I like. Um, I feel it hit me maybe one more time. Such like a... It's the cliche Britney one. It is, but it's an absolute banger as well. There's a reason it's cliche. It's because everybody likes it, but I'm going Stronger Canter. Stronger Canter. Yeah. Jerry Spears with Stronger Canter. Yeah, that's And next week, Phil will be playing a mix of... (laughs) That'll become our new intro. (laughs) Stronger mix of Canter. She is a stronger... Than yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll um, I'll put that together. I can mix that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a good one. Fantastic question. Right Love from my head as well. Right from your Didn't head. Didn't even Google it. I need to think some better questions based upon that one. I will yeah. do my best from next. Do you know week. what inspired me? Um, I feel like we did one a really long time ago where we said about combining. I think I asked you to combine your top three or something. Yeah, and create yeah. like a name. And I feel like everyone loved it. Like, I feel like loads of people were messaging on Instagram about and tagging us yeah, in the stories. Yeah, there was a lot of DMs was. and tags on that one. So. so it just inspired me to do something similar. of a similar nature. Love that. By all means, tag yeah, us Yeah, please in your tag stories. us with your favourite artist from childhood, with your favourite artist from now. What would they be called and what two songs would you mix together? Absolutely. Like, what would that be called as well? Love that. That's going to take a lot of thought. <laughs> we appreciate the you effort. You did that really quite quickly. Listen. And honestly, I did predict that you were going to say Britney Spears. Mm. I think now is diff- difficult because it's not nostalgia anymore, is it? So I can mm, look back great. and be like, oh, who did I like the most? Whereas now it's like, there's quite a few bands and singers and stuff like... I feel like it's difficult to have a favourite artist, isn't it? Uh... Right now, yeah, that's Just what I mean. Just like, I how you pick so many? I think it's easier to have a past favorite artist because it's nostalgic. But right now, it's like, how can I have one artist that I really like? Just yeah. Like I said as well, because like Jerry Cinnamon hasn't brought out a new album for a while, so it's like, he's in my favorite because like there's people that brought out more recent albums that I listen to more. But then if you brought one out next week, it automatically become my favorite because yeah. I listen to it nonstop. So, but anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. We love you all. See you next week. You're all fantastic. Bye. See you later. Bye.